0: A start on Demand. On Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us on this Friday. And it is indeed a TGIF situation. It was a shorter work week for us and for many Manitobans, but uh, I can't speak for either of you, Greg. But I know that I am thankful indeed for the weekend. And I don't know why I'm in such a rush to get there this week. I don't know if it's the lack of sunshine or what, but uh, I need the weekend stat
1: well i genuinely and generally praise and sing the praises of the four day work week being really the benefit the most uh the thing that i like most about a holiday monday versus the three day weekend and Right now, it feels like it's been a six-day work week. I don't know why, but I am completely with you on this, Loren. I'm ready for a weekend. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are ready for a weekend as well. The lack of sunshine maybe has something to do with that. Uh, Maybe it's the fact that our lives are, you know, getting closer back to normal. It feels as though every time I'm turning around, I've got some sort of obligation that I haven't had for the last 18 months.
2: I blame the turkey. And I'm grateful for the turkey. It was like 24 pounds on Sunday, but I'm not joking. I'm done with the turkey. There were turkey, turkey sandwiches, turkey, hot turkey, cold turkey. I made two different batches of turkey soup. The house still smells like turkey. There's turkey tortillas. There was turkey fajitas. Ooh, I'm done. I'm ex- but I, But here's the problem. Turkey makes you tired. And so basically all I've had for six days in a row now is turkey. And that, is, that can't be right. I've drove. got like, I I like a pain house. in the left side of my body right now, and I feel like it's just some sort of congealed turkey gravy
1: situation going on. You might have gravy instead of blood. I drove past your house the other day, and
3: uh, you promised <laughs> to leave you me. You
0: might have gravy You's... instead of blood. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: might be there's, but there was a lot of gravy. You, I did. I should have just brought you guys some, for goodness' sakes. There was so much.
1: You didn't leave anything on the step. I drove past. Even
2: moose puked the other day, and I'm pretty sure it's because he had been fed too many turkey scraps. It's just moose shouldn't eat turkey.
0: Anyway, Greg, I'm sorry. I totally derailed you. Don't there. It just, worry about it that. Took, it took a second for like for the me to process what you just said and like oh that's good that's good gravy for blood yes i like it anyway.
1: yeah well don't uh, you know don't go to the hospital and ask for that transfusion i don't think they're going to give it to you but uh, you know hey uh there's nothing better than turkey dinner i will stand by that it is uh my second favorite meal after steak and lobster
0: so so there is something better than turkey dinner Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. You said there's nothing better than turkey dinner. (laughs) And then it's my (laughs) second favorite meal. (laughs) You know what?
1: I'm just going to go home now. How's that?
0: (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yay. Hooray weekend. And we'll find out in just a few moments if we can expect some sunshine over the weekend. But we also want to pose the question of the day to you at cjob.com. And the question is, do you know a person who has had a surgery or procedure postponed because of the strain on the healthcare system. The question of the day is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. 75% say yes, 25% say no, 75%, Greg. Yeah.
1: Well, listen, uh, the surgery backlog, here's the headline at globalnews.ca. Uh, surgery backlog grows to 130,000 cases, this according to Doctors Manitoba, and if you break it down, it's uh, 52,000 surgical procedures, 41,000 diagnostic imaging tests, and 35,000 other procedures, including allergy tests, mammograms, and endoscopies, and Hey, I'm on that list, not personally, but one of my boys is, and so 130,000 cases, Loren, that's essentially 10% of the population of Manitoba waiting for one of these procedures.
2: So Doctors Manitoba is just asking for a, a more collaborative approach to work together to basically, you know, how we had a task force earlier this year on vaccines. Well, they're asking for a task force on getting things back to normal with surgeries because we need to speed this up and really help the people who've been waiting and waiting. And and you can imagine the scenario. We've talked about it often where you get called to the hospital. You think it's your turn and then that surgery gets pushed back because of whatever's been going on within the hospital system. You might not even get a note that tells you you have your appointment for a year because of things are so backed up. And so we know things are pushed, they're pushing hard to find that return to normal, but it's challenging. And and then, you know, throwing a wrench potentially in this equation potentially is what's going to happen in the days and weeks ahead in our healthcare system with the vaccine mandates. We're trying to get answers from shared health and long-term care and all the rest about how many people within those systems are unvaccinated Are they still going to come to work and just go ahead with that regular testing? Will there be any sort of people who choose not to go to work? We know in Quebec there were people threatening to walk off the job because they didn't appreciate the vaccine mandates. And so it might only sound like 1% or 2% potentially in some circumstances, but does that represent hundreds of workers still in that small percentage? And so there's all sorts of bigger questions going ahead about that return to normal as we try to get life back to normal with the vaccines. And so there's lots to discuss there, I think, as we watch and wait for what might happen.
1: And systems that are already under stress, systems that are already shorthanded in a lot of cases or being asked to do things that a, they don't t- typically do, or B, situations that have been exacerbated over the this length of the pandemic. And I know we're going to play part of a story from Seattle, Washington, where their emergency services have been pushed to and over the brink for several years now with regards to homelessness And uh, the drug epidemic in that community, and they're facing a serious situation in terms of how many people, uh, firefighters and emergency responders, they may be having to lay off, suspend because of the unwillingness of uh, certain numbers, certain percentage of uh, members there deciding not to get vaccinated. So it, it is really an interesting crossroads without
0: doubt. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. It is a goal that's been watched and rewatched thousands, if not millions, of times. And it has many Canadian soccer fans saying this one player may finally be what this country needs to make World Cup dreams a reality.
1: Oh, and what a goal it was. The goal we're talking about came midway through the second half of Wednesday's win over Panama and CONCACAF World Cup qualifying play in Toronto. It was scored by Alfonso Davies, and the remarkable goal from the soccer star is not only leading to talk of a possible trip to the World Cup, Davies' skills are gaining international attention. Global's Eric Sorensen reports on Davies' journey to the top.
0: Canada's greatest.
4: It starts with Alfonso Davies' pure unmatched speed. From where he is on the pitch, Davies races past everyone to keep the ball inbounds. Davies plays it down the line. Look out that ball stay in, and Davies is on it. Davies takes it away. Two. And then it's Davies' pure soccer instinct.
0: Alfonso Davies keeps it himself!
4: A tour de force of soccer skill, the likes of which Canadian men's soccer has never seen before. An
1: individual piece of brilliance. Coming I mean, in the game, we knew we had to win this game, you
4: know, to keep our World up hopes alive, and which we did. Davy's personal story is even more awe-inspiring. Born in this refugee camp in Ghana, his family came to Edmonton when he was five. He began playing soccer and dreaming.
2: My goal is to play to reach professional level.
4: He reached the professional level at age 15 with the vancouver whitecaps then on to one of the world's elite teams germany's bayern munich where he has won championships
5: it's just it's remarkable to watch and
1: it's fun as a fan because we've honestly never seen it
4: for decades canada has seen only futility on the international stage
1: honduras wins the match two
4: to one four years ago canada once again could not even make this region's six team qualifying playoffs this year, Canada is not only in the tournament, but has just jumped ahead of Panama into third place. And it's the top three teams that will qualify for next year's World Cup. That's something Canada hasn't done since 1986, and now is one step closer. What you've seen tonight is everything combined: the heart, the spirit, the talent. It's a proud night for our our country. The inspiration of Christine Sinclair and women's soccer and development of the men's game with talent like Jonathan David and Tejan Buchanan is causing support to Mushroom for Canadian fans and players who dream like Alfonso Davies did.
5: I think you're seeing now more people getting an opportunity to play this game and having the ability to see themselves in the bright lights.
4: Lights that are shining brightly on this player and this team, not yet a soccer power but getting there. Eric Sorensen, Global News, Toronto.
2: I had so many people I knew on social media sharing that goal over the past 48 hours. And it was funny because I know many of them are not people who would traditionally watch soccer. And there you have a a performance like that, a goal like that, a star like that, that's making you say, hey, this is awesome. Hey, I might watch this sport, participate in this sport. Maybe it'll encourage more people to dream big in that sport. We know soccer has a huge draw in Canada. And then, of course, there's the World Cup dreams. It takes a lot to follow if you're not into it. But as Eric said, the top three teams in the CONCACAF move on to the World Cup. So we're now sitting third. There's a couple more games to play this month and next month. So we'll see where that gets us. But it had us talking, Brett, today just about when you see stars like that, when you see something huge, do you, do you, do you remember where you were or when when it comes to sports?
0: That's right. Coming up at 645, we're going to talk about the moments of greatness that we get to watch unfold. Like, have you ever gone to an event anticipating greatness or have you ever watched something and and thought to yourself, this is not just a regular game. This is not just a regular concert. This isn't a regular, you know, even just watching a speech. Sometimes somebody will say something magical while they're giving a speech. So we'll talk about that at 645 and tell you how you can win stuff. So last half hour, in case you're just tuning in, we talked about Alfonso Davies, who's on Team Canada and has the country's soccer hopes way up. Chance to crack the World Cup. David plays it down the line. Look out that ball stay in, and Davies is on it. Davies takes it away. To- and then it's Davies' pure soccer instinct.
6: Alfonso Davies keeps it himself.
0: So as many soccer fans and even non-soccer fans watch this young man kind of wonder, are we watching greatness in the making? So that got us thinking about, you know, the moments of greatness that we may have witnessed. Yeah, have you ever gone to an event specifically to see greatness happen? Or maybe you went to an event and you realized as you're watching it, we're watching something tremendous unfold here. We're watching history being made, something special. And it doesn't have to be sports. could be a concert. could be a speech. could be Whatever. Tell us the story, 204-780-6868. Loren, this was uh, your idea. What do you got off the top of your head?
2: Okay, this is actually not great because there's a couple (laughs) of things... Mine's sort of the opposite. Like, I have, I've witnessed some really great moments, uh, in hockey. I've witnessed some really great moments on stage. I even think of the concert when the Tragically Hip went coast to coast on their tour, uh, before Gord Downey died, died and how special it was to be part of that and to hear his words and see him in that moment. And so that's the uplifting side of it. On the other hand, I had said to you guys earlier this week, I hate booing. We were talking about the place kicker getting booed at the game Friday and how he really hopes to redeem himself. Tonight, well, I'll tell you why I hate booming. December 6th, I think it was 1995. I was in school in Ottawa. This is the last season for the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, hockey was leaving Winnipeg. We were all incredibly sad about that. I had a friend who was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan says, do you want to come to the game tonight against Detroit? We drive up to Montreal. We go to the game. It's the one. Where the goal after goal after oh, goal. Yes. Patrick Waugh one goal against him, two goals against him. I think he had 26 shots, nine goals. They don't pull him after goal four. They don't pull him after goal five. It's halfway through the second period. It's nine one, and the crowd is just booing him like just merciless in in uh, the stadium. I think it was the forum or not forum the um. Bell anyway, center? think no no before that. Well, would are in the forum then. The forum, right? Okay, so he leaves the ice. Walks up to the coach, and we had terrific seats. We see this happen. He passes the coach, goes over to the GM, says something. You're like, huh, wonder what happened there. Of course, this is the time of no social media. Wake up the next day, the dad of my friend is saying, did you guys, you were there. Headlines are... Patrick Waugh quits. He's done. He's walked off out of the rink. That game was it. He was done. And that is my reason why I hate boat booing. It wasn't a moment of greatness. It was a moment where I thought, I cannot forget how mean this was to keep this guy in the game. And uh, that's my opposite story, which... I should have told you to leave me for last, Brett.
0: Okay. Well, here we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, as uh, Charles Adler would say. Uh, Oh, reminder, we've got Jets commentary coming up at 6.55. Jeff Braun, uh, what's your story? Um, For me, uh, it's got to be the Bruce Springsteen concert I went to in Calgary in
7: 2003. I was expecting it to be great, but uh, as he does so many times in his career, Bruce Springsteen just surpassed all expectations. He sings every single song. It it sounds like it's the last song he's ever going to be able to sing. It's just a a magnificent event. I, I, I still get chills just thinking about it.
1: Poitras? Uh Well, I got to go with the bombers. Twenty nineteen. Uh, you know, there was they they weren't going into that game, that final game in Cal, uh, against Calgary at Ig Field. They they lost four of five, and uh, you know the things weren't the team wasn't really riding high. Then Zach Caleros comes in, he makes that pass to Darvin Adams. The entire season changes. They roll through the postseason, uh, and there was just that. I was I was I was at that game, and I was leaving, and I just felt like. Oh, my goodness gracious, they could do it. And, of course, they do, breaking the breaking the 30-year streak.
0: Nice pull. Yeah, that's also
1: a good one. Uh, Greg? Uh, July 27, 2017, the Bombers come back against Montreal. They had two touchdowns in the last two minutes. Uh, absolutely incredible. But this is the one. The game is on the line. Two outs, 4-3 Oakland. It's game one of the 1988 World Series. Kurt Gibson, two bad legs. This guy can barely walk. Comes off the bench. Comes up to the plate. Game on the line. I woke up my girlfriend at the time. I said, you need to wake up because you're about to see something unbelievable. Here's Vin Scully's call. Game right
4: now is at the
0: plate.
1: There are brake lights going off in the distance because people had left the game giving up on the Dodgers. This game was over. Kirk Gibson comes basically back from the dead to hit this home run. It was only the first game, but it set the stage for the 88 World Series. And I will never, ever forget watching that live on television. Did his team go on to win? They did. They absolutely
0: did. Unforgettable. Mine's also a sportsing one, believe it or not. And uh, this goes back to June 3rd, 1992. Here's Jordan for three! Yes! Did you see
7: that one?
0: Game one, NBA Finals, Chicago Bulls versus the Portland Trailblazers. Michael Jordan, already the greatest of all time at that point. And he lights up the Blazers for a then-record 35 first-half points, six three-pointers, which was also a record. And even he couldn't believe it. It was that famous moment where he looks at the at the broadcast booth on the side and just kind of shrugs his shoulders like, "Eh, I guess I'm on fire today. Not bad, eh, guys? (laughs) So tell us a story about witnessing greatness at 204-780-6868. Share us a story, share a memory for a chance to win tickets to see Tuke, November 27th, Club Regent Event Center. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Big Bomber Bash code word coming up in our next segment. And Doug Brown's going to join us to preview tonight's Bomber game at 9.35. He's going to join us a bit later on this morning in the on the start. In the meantime, no matter where you live, no matter how you live, a pet can make a huge difference in your well-being.
1: No doubt about it. They're our friends, companions, in some cases, a warm body to snuggle with. And as you said, Brett, no matter where or how you live, this is important on our streets here in Winnipeg where hundreds are experiencing homelessness. We often see pets, and now a new study is shedding light on just how well those pets are cared for, Lorraine.
2: So this study was done out of the University of Guelph and the researchers behind it, they wanted to look into the care of these animals because of the preconceived notion this is the quote from the study the preconceived notion that homeless might not take good care of their pets. Well this study which includes some Winnipeg data found it's just the opposite it looked into the care of 1,124 dogs and cats who might be living on the streets or in vulnerable housing situations and basically concluded they're well cared for. Dr. Susan Kilborn is one of the co-authors of the study and I think a former Winnipegger and joins us now. Good morning Dr. Kilborn.
3: Good morning, Loren. Thanks for having me. Uh, Did I get that right? You used to live here? Yeah, I was raised in St. James. Uh, I went to high school there, did my undergrad at University of Manitoba, and then went to vet school and sort of followed jobs from there.
2: Okay, well, I just want to set the table because you also looked at some some of the Winnipeg data and the Winnipeg dogs and cats. and, And I'm quite wondering, how did you measure care? What were you
3: looking for in these animals? Yeah, thanks for asking. We have a a pretty robust software uh, system with uh, a a routine electronic medical record like you'd see at any clinic caring for your pet. And so we did full history and physical exams, again, just like you would get at a clinic involving these clients and their pets. We also looked a lot at at client data uh, together with that. And so we were able to measure their health through veterinarians that volunteer with us uh, doing these exams, documenting them. Um, and then we went back and looked at, at all of this data, in, including the data that we gathered in Winnipeg.
0: So why did you and your team think that it was important to do this study?
3: Well, as you saw from the press release, there's, there's uh, certainly some stigma um, about Uh, our clients owning pets. And those are are both street-involved and homeless um, or people living with homelessness. Uh, But we also have lots of vulnerably housed uh, clients uh, that we see. And that stigma sort of flows down into all of those groups that they aren't able to feed their pets, that they uh, don't have access to care. So their pets are not well cared for. Um, And this data helps us look at that um, and, and actually make some some uh, well-informed assessments uh, about whether that's true, particularly things like body condition score. Uh, I think many people have the preconceived notion that um, these dogs and cats are all thin um, and not in good condition score because they don't have access to good nutrition. So,
1: uh, Doctor Kilburn, is this as much a study about the value of uh, of animals and, and pets to to all of our lives as it is a, a discussion uh, about this concern that some might have about people who are experiencing homelessness, toting around or, or being attached to a pet at that time. Uh,
3: well, you know, I think you're you're right. There is certainly um, Uh, a a portion of our work that has always supported the belief that all clients um, deserve to have pets. They're good pet owners to the best of their ability, and the benefit associated with having a pet in our clients is huge. Uh, this is an important relationship, sometimes the single most important relationship in their lives is unconditional love without judgment. And this important relationship, it can be a game changer because pets uh, can change health behaviors. Um, People will make a change if their behavior has an impact on their pet's health. For example, things like secondhand smoke exposure. Um, We've had work done through Dr. Michelle Lam, our founder, her master's work focused on street-involved youth. Um, And those youth were very clear that these pets are their children, they're their best friends, um, and they reduce their risk behavior when they have a pet um, so that they're able to care for their pet and be there for their pet. Uh, And that's a a big thing for us, health behavior change, because we embed human health services in all our events. So we're very interested uh, in human health. We're a One Health organization. So we look a lot at that. Yeah,
2: the body condition score that you looked at for these pets. So it has a rating from one to nine, as you had said earlier, a rating of five would be ideal. One's underweight, nine's overweight. So the average body condition for these pets who might be living with people who are on the streets or in vulnerable conditions was 5.4. That's a great rating. You might make the argument, uh, Susan, and we only have about 30, 45 seconds here. You might make the argument that people in these difficult situations are choosing to Maybe care better for their pets than they might be for themselves. They might be giving food to their pets for for first over themselves if their condition is that good.
3: Yeah, and we often find that uh, our clients' uh, uh, pet first is is a, a common theme, and so they will ensure that their their pets are are fed. Uh, so certainly there is actually some obesity documented in our um, data which is, is uh, aligned with what we see in society at large with pets. Obesity is an ongoing problem. It's a little less in this population, we think, perhaps because of better exercise conditions, um, but certainly they're all well-conditioned, certainly.
0: Dr. Susan Kilborn, one of the co-authors on this study on pets in the homeless population, thank you very much for joining us this morning. This is important stuff to know.
3: Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Just after eight o'clock, Loren, what are we doing there?
2: Well we've been talking about the vaccine mandates and the testing that is going to start Monday in many of those designated roles in healthcare or schools elsewhere in this province. Global News has obtained a letter that was sent home to the family of residents living in Salem Home in Winkler. And the contents of that letter, I think, are extremely disturbing. It's talking about the fact that because of that mandate, there might be staff who choose not to do the testing because that's the option. You don't have to get the vaccine, but you do have to undergo regular testing. They're worried that staff might choose not to do so. And so it's asking family members to consider they might help, have to help with a wide range of things like cleaning, cleaning room cleaning, caring, maybe even bringing their loved ones home because they're worried about how many staff might show up to work next week. So we're going to talk to the Long-Term Care Association about this. What are they saying? What are they hearing? And what is the concern for people who have loved ones in personal care homes who might be facing this situation next week?
1: We'll chat about that after 8.
0: And GMAC at 8.35, it's anniversary weekend at one of the most magical spots in Winnipeg.
1: No question about it. We're going to visit with McNally Robinson, our friend, Chris Hall. He's celebrating 25 years with that organization. He started out as a worker. Now he owns the joint. So we'll talk to Chris and talk about the evolution of bookstores and the fact that McNally Robinson remains a staple in our community. How are they doing that with all the issues, economic, pandemic, and changing technologies Uh, How have they managed to say not only relevant but uh, a a really a a huge part of the retail scene
0: in our community? In the meantime, it's Friday, just after seven thirty. Mister (laughs) Fortier, much better. (laughs) (laughs) A A little falter, jinxed him. Is this the Halloween theme? Yes,
1: you got it. I didn't think anyone was going to get that. Right nice that good job. job. I, I just learned that. You know, I oh.
2: stumble here or there. But <laughs> <laughs> mean, I, I just cut. got the letter home from the school this week about uh, paying for recorders, and I'm considering not paying for.
0: Recorders <laughs> you, need you need a teacher. You need a teacher. That not not that was a step forward, Mr. Forte. That music heralds the arrival of Jeff Braun, co-host of the Couch Potatoes. Mr. Braun, hello there, sir. Good morning. All right. So we got a couple of movies in theaters, and we want to tell you about a show on Netflix. We'll start with hey, we just heard the music. New in theaters this weekend after a year long delay due to the pandemic, we've got Halloween Kills.
5: Michael Myers is alive. (laughs)
2: your stomach you and allison
3: should not have to keep running evil dies tonight
6: i'm not just gonna sit and watch another innocent person die
5: if you track michael's victims that's a straight line to michael's childhood
6: home what do we do we fight let's hunt him down Yeah,
0: so your rendition wasn't all that bad, Mr. Forte. Jamie Lee Curtis returns in this sequel to the 2018 film Halloween, which itself was a direct sequel to the 1978 original, wiping the slate clean from the rest of the sequels, which were mostly trash. In that movie, the 2018 one, the monstrous murderer Michael Myers breaks out of custody and Jamie Lee Curtis hunts him down. Problem is, of course, at the end of the movie, he didn't die. So now she's hunting him down again. The 2018 film got decent reviews. This one, not so much. And hey, there's going to be a third and final installment next year. Halloween ends. Jeff Braun, I'm sure you have your tickets booked already.
7: Yeah, but not for Halloween. That's (laughs) creepy for me by far. Michael Myers, I think of all the different Halloween or horror movie villains, he's by far the scariest somehow, even though he's... He never says anything. He just stands there until he kills you.
0: It's that creepy mask. It's a creepy it mask. Is. And, he, and it, it is the way that he just kind of stands there across the street, you're lurking yeah. in the shadows. And you're like, ooh, what is that? Um, and yeah. Those movies, Did, these movies are super, super violent, by the way. So oh, okay. just heads up for that. What were you going to ask, Loren?
2: Does he do the slow walk like other killer? You know, I'm thinking of Jason and um, Friday the 13th. Like, is he ever running after anyone? Because these. These menacing Halloween characters usually just stare at you and somehow catch you, and I can't figure it out.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's almost like they're supernatural. I can't remember if he ran in the last one. I don't think he ever has to. He just, he always ends up in close quarters. Yeah, he's just, he just appears and there's nowhere to go. He's a
2: sidler.
7: He's a sidler. (laughs)
0: Sidler, (laughs) Um, The
7: camera cuts away. He's gone. That cuts back, and there he is. is. Yeah, it's like magic. Um, (laughs) Jeff, uh, what else we got here? Something that I actually am interested in seeing uh, Matt and Ben together again In Ridley Scott's The Last Duel
5: Each man is to fight To the death Discover the unbelievable true story That is now the cinematic event Of the year Matt Damon, Adam Driver Jody Comer And Ben Affleck
3: I want him to answer for what he has done
5: Critics rave, no one does it Like Ridley Scott Let them go, let them go! Last duel. Read it Experience it on the big screen October 15th. Tickets
7: on sale now. The last duel it's getting decent reviews 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about Knights in Olden Times, a historical drama about uh, one-night Matt Damon who accuses another knight Adam Driver of sexually assaulting his wife Jodie Comer and so he challenges him to a duel to the death and then uh, Ben Affleck is the king or something like that. Damon and Affleck uh, wrote it along with another writer. It's the first time they've actually written a movie together since Goodwill Hunting, of course, for which they won an Oscar.
0: We had a lot of people the other day when we were talking about going on uh, obscure pilgrimages to find things. A lot of people, when they found themselves in Boston, they're like, we got to find that bench from Goodwill Park Hunting. Yeah. yeah. Like several. That would be a good one half a dozen people went and tracked down that bench so that would be cool um and this weekend on netflix the popular well i mean it's one of their biggest hits but a lot of people probably haven't heard of it because there's just so much content on netflix but this is one of their bigger hits it's called you and it debuts its third season
8: you obsessed with her
3: why don't you love me anymore
1: something and i can feel it
8: why does everybody think i'm impulsive
0: you are not making me
3: kill anyone neither one of you is going to kill your spouse you're many things but you are not murderers
0: you sure about that season one of you debuted back in 2018 it's based on a book called hidden bodies it's about a guy named joe goldberg and in that first season he develops a crush And that crush turns out to be far more sinister because he becomes obsessed. He starts stalking her, does everything he can to win her over, including removing whatever he deems to be an obstacle. Uh, He does bad things, let's just say that. But he believes he's a good guy, that he's doing these things for good reasons. He either doesn't understand where the line is or he just can't control himself. And it's a delightfully twisted show because even though he's clearly a bad guy, Maybe not necessarily at heart, but he still does bad things. He's likable, so you find yourself at odds. You're thinking, I know I should not be rooting for this character, but somehow I kind of am, so that's interesting. And uh, much like the show Dexter... He narrates the show, so there are a lot of comparisons that can be made to Dexter, which, by the way, their limited series comes next month. Looking forward to that. But uh, season three of you, I've made it through almost all of it. I've got one episode to go, and uh, it is really, really good. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a steamy thriller. It's and like a lot of su- su- a surprising amount of satire. Like they managed to do an entire episode about anti-vaxxers they make they do they have lots of great commentary on social media influencers and masculinity and and uh, they even mock women, like the whole women supporting women movement like nothing is safe everything is on the table to be mocked and made fun of and yet it's all wild they tell this thrilling twisted look at love and relationships through this messed up couple
2: Yeah, they're messed up. This is why. So I watched the first season, loved loved it. Couldn't wait for the second season, and by the end of the second season, I was like, "Huh, this might be too much. Like, there might be too much evil uh, in this one." And so I'm curious. I'll I'll give it a shot because I did like that first season so much.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. The second season, and we even had a listener say that second season was trash. Yeah. Are you sure that we should watch this? And I said, "Hey, I I liked the second season, but season three so far is great. So that's out now on Netflix." Greg, uh, in the meantime, you took a dive into the Squid Game? I did. I watched the first episode last night, and I'm hooked. Yeah?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I almost pressed play on episode two, but I needed to get my beauty sleep, so I rolled over, turned off the light, and thought, I can't believe I'm in this. I don't know if I'm in it to win it, but I'm certainly in it. <laughs> Holy smokes, that first episode really sets the table. Yeah, Well done. That's good. That's good storytelling. Subtitles are English dub. I went with the English dub Ugh. because I have to wear my glasses in order to wear read the subtitles. And laying in bed, just not super comfortable. Oh, man. Yeah.
0: That dub is terrible. Oh,
1: it is awful, but I, I got used to it after a while. I normally don't like it at all.
0: Okay, fair enough. Jeff Braun, thank you very much, sir. Couch Potatoes you podcast bet. now available, and the show is on Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6. Unless, you know, the Blue Bombers or the Winnipeg Jets need us to get out of the way, then we're, we're usually like, okay, well, all right. If you guys need the airtime, we'll, we'll get out of the way. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, 40th anniversary for McNally Robinson, 40 years of reading. They're celebrating those 40 years of this weekend, anniversary weekend, also 25 years of the Grant Park Store, so they'll join us just after 8.30. Gabrielle Marchand joins us at 9.05 for our weekly Gab with Gabby, and Doug Brown with a Blue Bomber preview coming up at 9.35. Want to talk right now about a concerning situation that's unfolding in a personal care home, Loren, in Southern Health.
2: Yeah, so this involves the Salem home in Winkler where a letter was sent home to residents' families this week warning them that with new vaccine rules coming into effect Monday, they are planning for, quote, A worst case scenario starting on this day. So as we've been saying, October 18th is the day testing starts for people who've chosen not to be vaccinated in designated roles outlined by the province. So again, if you if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. But you do have to agree to regular testing. Well, in this letter obtained by Global News, Salem Holmes says because of this rule, there might be staff who refuse testing, and then they can't come to work. So this home is telling family members they might be asked to do laundry for their loved ones, clean their rooms, help with dressing, brushing teeth, etc. And in the letter, it also goes on to say, quote, we may have to go one step further and ask that you take your loved one home to look after them.
1: Jan Legarros is the Executive Director, Long-Term and Continuing Care Association of Manitoba. Jan joins us now. Good morning.
6: Good morning, everyone.
1: We, uh, you know, we saw similar Outreach uh, from uh, personal care homes in the really in the heart of the pandemic. Uh, But this is for an entirely different reason now, Jan. What's your reaction to this letter and the position this home now finds itself in?
6: Well, it's very unfortunate, isn't it? Um, You know, we we have um, a number of folks in southern Manitoba who are hesitant uh, in terms of taking the vaccine. And so we're left in a situation such as the one described in the letter. Uh, I know that Salem Home has been raising this concern for quite some time because the staff there had indicated um, some time ago that they were not interested or or concerned about taking the vaccine.
0: Are you hearing of this situation elsewhere?
6: you know, I did ask some of my members yesterday how things were going for them, and uh, for an example, we have one member who has more than almost two hundred and fifty um, residents in in their home, and uh, five staff have indicated that they will not be at work on Monday. So very low number in comparison to what Salem Home is facing.
2: Yeah, we were talking about the idea that you know this is you know it, it, it will vary from home to home, maybe region to region, Jan, and and that in in theory the vaccine uptake in many parts is high. It might be 98 or 99 percent, but if you get to a situation where you have even just a handful or less of of employees not coming to work, we know there are shortages in all these spaces. So, is is that the, where we're at at this point in some of these homes? That just because of um, staffing demands, pressures, and shortages, a very small Percentage could impact widely uh, the residents of these homes.
6: Well, I don't think that five staff leaving out of 250 residents will impact that particular home to a great extent. It's certainly, they they were, are actively recruiting, but I think right now you're right, Lauren. Everyone is actively recruiting, whether it's um, healthcare or. Um, other businesses as well we're hearing you know of staff shortages everywhere um, so certainly it's of concern whenever you lose some staff especially in in long-term care uh, we know that during the height of the second wave for example, the tragedy was as significant as it was because of the loss of staff. In some cases, um, we had staff loss of 50%. So, so yes, it is of a concern, and um, I think that's why Salem Home would have written the letter that they did, uh, letting families know to please be on standby because we may need you to come and help. It's so important to have that care provision uninterrupted for the residents.
1: Jan, so I think we're pretty clear on the challenges and the concerns here, but the big question remains, what do we do? How do we solve this? How do we fix it short term?
6: I think that all of us are responsible to help fix it. I think anytime any one of us encounters someone who is vaccine hesitant, it's up to each of us as an individual to chat with that person about the evidence and the facts and try to help them understand that uh, perhaps they've been uh, taking in some misinformation on the vaccine We've had um, vaccine hesitancy going back to the 1800s and certainly not as prevalent as it is today, but we didn't have social media in the 1800s. But I think as Dr. Reimer has said, if all of us can change one individual that we know uh, can change their mind and help them understand how important it is to be vaccinated, then we're winning.
0: Jan Legueros, Executive Director, Long-Term and Continuing Care Association of Manitoba. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time.
6: You're very welcome. Thank you.
0: And, Loren, we understand there's an announcement being made in the southern region today.
2: Yeah, so this involves the Health Minister, Audrey Gordon. Uh, She will be with the Justice Minister, Cameron Friesen, Dr. Don Klassen, and as well as the CEO of Southern Health and in the chair for the Boundary Trails Health Centre Foundation. So all it says is Boundary Trail Announcement. So this could just be funding for the hospital. It could have nothing to do with the situation there. But with all those big names there, you can be assured that questions are going to be asked about vaccine uptake and, and what the solution here, because this, as, as Jan just said, this affects everyone.
0: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, one could feel some vertigo when trying to keep up with all the developments as it pertains to COVID-19, to vaccination, to travel. And Loren, we have some breaking news this morning as it pertains to crossing the border.
2: If you want to read more, head to globalnews.ca, but this is the headline, Canada-U.S. land border to open for fully vaccinated on November 8th. So you'll recall earlier this week, we knew this was coming, but we didn't have a date for this. So according to the White House Assistant Press Secretary, the date is November 8th. Reuters has also quoted an unnamed official setting the same date. So here we are. The U.S. new travel policy that requires vaccination for foreign national travelers to the U.S. will begin on November 8th. So you just have a, if you're Chomping to get to the U.S. You just have a couple of weeks to go,
1: guys.
0: All right. And in our next segment, Greg, what is it? The super bonus
1: deadline tonight? Indeed. The HSC Millionaire Lottery continues. But for how long is completely up to you. We are close to a sellout again at record pace. So we'll give you the details, tell you how you can get tickets and why your money, why your support is so critical at times like this and and other
0: times at Health Sciences Center. All right. So right now we want to talk about how, as the way we consume information and entertainment has evolved quite dramatically over the past decade or so, there's just so much, so much available to us now. There is one medium whose expected demise has been miscalculated.
2: And man, am I glad to hear that that's the case because I've said this to you guys often. I I don't know if I'm happier than when I'm with, you know, uh, the family and on a road trip and we're just all together in the car or maybe on the deck or I'm in my hammock and I'm reading, just sitting there reading a good book, even a bad book sometimes or switching around and, and getting to know deep into the characters being transported to another place. I don't think there's anything better than a good book when it comes to just where it can take you and how it can make you feel, Greg.
1: Yeah, life is all about stories in my mind. And in our city, we are fortunate to have many independently owned and operated businesses hitting home runs on a consistent basis. One example is McNally Robinson Booksellers. We want to recognize the 40th anniversary of McNally Robinson and the 25th anniversary of... Of the store at Grant Park, Chris Hall has been at the Grant Park store since day one, and now along with Lori Baker, he owns and operates one of the true destinations shopping outlets in our city. A happy anniversary, Chris! <laughs> Thank you very much. Good morning, guys. Uh, well, it's always great to have you with us. And and I've got to ask you this, Chris: When you began working at Ali Robinson 25 years ago, was owning and operating the operation anywhere on your radar?
5: it was clearly not i my original cover letter is still somewhere in the building and uh it's very noncommittal it's uh it says that uh i'm just looking for something to do essentially for uh, a little while until i figure out what i want to do with my life
0: so uh opening any business often comes right down to the day and hours as you try to get things as right as they can be before a grand opening, we understand that you had one of Canada's most famous authors help fuel the staff for those last few hours before opening the Grand Park store.
5: Yes, that's right. Our uh, grand opening act was uh, Margaret or Margaret Atwood, and she uh, often mentions that when she comes back to town. And uh, yeah, she came in during the afternoon when we were frantically trying to get ready for the evening, and uh, um, I think she was uh, looking to see what she'd got herself into, and. Uh, and she was there, and then she wasn't, and um, and so we carried on. And then suddenly she was back, and she had gone down to a Safeway on the other end of the mall, and she brought back uh, bags full of, of um, bananas and granola bars for us. So uh, so I always say that I'll never hear a bad word said about Margaret Atwood because uh, that's uh, that was my first impression of her.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. I actually am trying to figure out if I was – there in and around that time because I do have a signed copy of I think it's is it the blind assassin atwood and so uh you've had a long list of authors and lecturers who have graced your store over the years are there a couple that have stood out for you beyond the Margaret Atwood story Chris
5: Oh there's so many it's it's like picking uh, picking your favorite anything um there's so many i mean right now um, one of the things that we're doing if you follow us on social media we have a number of authors who have um created little videos for us uh and they are uh, congratulating us. And so if you follow us on social media, we've got everyone from Louise Penny to Alexander McCall-Smith to um, Alan Doyle. It was great big C. And uh, we've made an impression on a number of people as they've come through and, and vice versa, of course. So, yeah, hard to pick my favorite. But uh, but it's been one of the, the thrills of, uh, of the 25 years for sure.
1: Well, I'll put Ken Dryden on the list. Is that OK? It's a little <laughs> self-serving, Chris.
5: Absolutely. Well, I have my own interests too, as you know, uh, with hockey. So the hockey guys rate uh, up more highly for me than maybe some of the other staff. And Wait I'll
2: a pre- minute. That's the book you introduced, Greg. That's right. I was like, this is self-serving, but hey, it was still a great it. moment. <laughs> uh,
1: it, well, it was incredible. We had a, an hour with Ken Dryden. We had a little bit of a forum. We had a jam-packed house uh, for Ken Dryden's last appearance at McNally Robinson, and it was a thrill of a lifetime for me, and this is just now an opportunity for me to publicly uh, uh give my appreciation to chris for having me involved in that now hey chris you've endured economic recession this digital revolution that was supposed to kill the book and now this pandemic why do you think this business model is working all these years later and in the face of all these different challenges
5: um well i'll start by sussing up that i don't know but i but my best guess is it's it's just combination of, of staff we've had amazing people come through and, and so many of them really and they really just fit right in almost immediately um but also uh the people of winnipeg it's it's um i've been astonished over the years uh, uh where, what they'll do with us what they respond to um uh, the relationship we have with them and i call it the magic there's something beyond um the people of winnipeg beyond the staff that's working there beyond the books it all adds up to something that uh, is uh, greater than the sum of the parts, and um, it's uh, it's really quite amazing. But yeah, that's that's the magic of it. And we were we were supposed to have been uh, our demise was announced when chapters came to town, and yeah, Amazon was supposed to, and the e-book was supposed to, and yeah, the pandemic almost did. But, uh, but yeah, somehow here we are, forty years later, and uh, ready to have as much of a party as one can, given the limitations.
0: The ebook. Oh, I hate the ebook. And I know that they've got different readers that are designed to make it easier on your eyes. But the idea that I'm reading a book without being able to hold a book, I understand the convenience of being able to store multiple books on one device. But uh, if I want to read a book, I want to read the book. I want to feel the pages. I want to be able to smell mm. the pages. There's yeah. just something special about that, is there not?
5: I agree. Yeah, no, I think. Uh I mean, books literally um, are parts of our lives. They sit on uh, the end tables of our couches. They sit on the side tables of our beds. They they live with us for a brief time. And every time you see it as you walk by, you're reminded of that story that you're reading and you're anxious to get back to those characters. Um, I think uh, an e-book doesn't give you a lot of the um, the physical presence of a book. And uh, and yeah, there's, uh, again, back to the magic. There's something there that's uh, that's hard to describe.
2: It reminds me of when I was a kid. I used to have this thing I would always say to my mom, you know, we go on a road trip, and she'd want to talk in the car. And I'd say, Mom, until there is no daylight, and I cannot read anymore, can we save this chit chat for later? Because I would be so consumed with what I was reading, Chris, you must see that when you look around your space, and you see people just suddenly, you know, the moment that they're hooked on whatever it is they're reading.
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. You can you can see people respond. And you can tell when a book has as word of mouth, and this, these days that's kind of social media. But mm-hmm. yeah, when somebody reads a book, they're super excited about. It. They like to come in and tell us about it, and, and we do as staff too. It's part of the part of the pleasure of, of working there is getting to share share what you're reading with other people. Um, yeah, for sure, it's uh, it's a it's a part of our lives, uh, and uh, I I think one of the bright sides maybe of the pandemic is it's become more a part of more people's lives, and uh, I hope people don't give that up. It's uh, it's a healthy thing to sit quietly with a book.
0: Well, Chris Hall at McNally Robinson, we thank you very much for joining us once again. We always love our chats with you. We love your store. Uh, it's one of the warmest, most inviting stores, I think, in Winnipeg. Every time I walk through the door, it's very special. I, I unfortunately have to limit my visits because whenever I walk in, I want to buy everything. And uh, can't quite do that. Well,
5: that's, so. that's why it takes a community.
0: <laughs> right on, Chris. Hey, happy anniversary and congratulations. So thanks so much, you guys. Thanks for having me on. I love going into that store. Mhm. I just it love it. It smells
2: so good in there too, like not just because of the food that they serve. Books, as you said, Brett. Like they have this thing about them that really draws you in. That paper smell is yum.
0: Yeah, like I even <laughs> find myself looking at this the the stationery kind of stuff yeah. they have. They've got like really fancy uh dossiers and folders and stuff and blankets
2: like and things yeah. you, you're like I could use another blanket
1: yeah I love the way they separate the different books and, and the pride in place that McNally Robinson has also created with their displays and how prominently
0: they display local authors but also books about Winnipeg and Manitoba's special also yeah that's right David A. Robertson is a perennial powerhouse on those uh, displays so uh, that's great so happy anniversary once again to McNally Robinson Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, a reminder that in our next segment, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see Tuke at Club Region Event Center, November 27th, based on your text messages on witnessing moments of greatness. And we've got three wildly different ones lined up here to share with you in our next segment. Uh, Can't wait to share these with you, actually. But we can never wait for Friday at 9.06, because it means it's time for... Our gab with the one, the only, Gabby! Gabrielle Marchand, hello there.
8: Good morning. Speaking of moments of greatness, I had none today. Want to know how many? <laughs> Absolutely zero moments of greatness. I had the opposite of greatness. I was minus greatness today. So
1: Is that the official count, and who's tabulating this?
8: It's my official account, and it's the new brand of our morning show. I want to call it the Dumpster Fire Show, but I don't think management will get on board.
0: Global News Morning, weekdays <laughs> on Global Winnipeg, a daily dumpster fire from six until nine.
2: Well, I watch and have you on on a regular basis, and that can't be true. We're so. we're, we're very informative. We're very informative,
8: and then in the in between moments, we're sort of silly. You know, it's it's, like, it's a balance. behind
2: the scenes stuff too. You yeah. know, no one ever knows oh. what goes on to oh. get stuff on air sometimes for any medium. Oh, my god! Yeah, and
0: actually, just to take you behind the curtain, there are plenty of times where somebody involved in the production, whether it's your producer or one of the engineers, will go blazing past this window, just like, <laughs> th- like a thundercloud, oh no. just bam, 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 because something, that I know as soon as that happens, something is going wrong, and then I turn it's to my right. The <laughs> it's
2: always the printer. It's <laughs> always the
0: printer. Something
1: is amiss at the Circle K.
0: But when I turn to the right <laughs> and look at Gabby on TV... Cool as a cucumber. You never know it. That's
8: that's generous. But happy Friday, everyone. I'm glad it's here.
0: All right. So GMAC earlier this week, we talked about uh, Cole Perfetti.
1: That's right. Cole Perfetti's dad and and, uh, the reaction to the news that his son was going to play his first game in the National Hockey League. And uh, Angelo and Sandra Perfetti scrambling to get from Whitby, Ontario, to Anaheim, California. They made it for the first game. But the reaction that Cole translated to the media was that his dad was almost in tears and, and Angelo confirmed that. So we had a great discussion about the things that our parents have done to support us over the years in pursuit of our dreams.
8: Oh, parents are so wonderful, aren't they? That was a beautiful story. The Cole Perfetti reaction and calling his mom and dad and then Paul Maurice talking about it too. Just absolutely love it. My parents, I, I love You guys, I love my parents so much. They've done so much for me, made so many sacrifices. As kids, they tried to put us in every activity that we wanted so that we could have developed those those skills, and and that led to them spending weekends at dance studios traveling for dance competitions music competitions all kinds of things and then as an adult I have made a lot of moves it happens in broadcasting and my mom and dad have pretty much moved me across the country from place to place and they always show up no matter how old I am they always show up to help me move so I'm not alone in that process and I can't tell you how much that means to me that you know even when I'm 31 and changing apartments my parents will try to come from Saskatchewan to help out. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah, they're yeah. so sweet. They're such sweet people.
1: Any well, excuse to get out of Saskatchewan, I
0: suspect. Yeah. Oh, also come that. on. Also that. Greg Mackling, how dare you ruin what was a nice moment yeah, for Gabby on, talking man. about her parents. <laughs> Boom.
8: I'm going to tell my dad, Greg, and he's going to send you hate mail now. So oh, you're oh, I really want to
0: meet your dad
1: now. Yeah.
8: <laughs> Nerdy hate mail from a dentist in Saskatchewan. You watch out. <laughs> uh, what kind of dance? uh tap jazz ballet musical theater we kind of did it all just to be i'm am awkward anybody who (laughs) knows me knows that so i mean my talents i was kind of like more better at the tap less not so
2: great at the ballet
0: also lorenna we talked this week about how doctors have a new prescription it's not cowbell it's to go outside
2: (laughs) yeah this came from of course abigail turner of the morning show with you gabby and she talked about the idea that they're prescribing Uh, getting outside for our health and so that led us to talking about our favorite things to do outside in the fall and we were curious if you had any fun or maybe even funny or fail stories when it comes to failing in fall yeah i i failed epically this fall actually it's pumpkin
8: related i'm not really a pumpkin spice people and this isn't really outside but it is it does pertain to health so i've read that pumpkin seed oil is incredible for you. Mm -hmm. Pumpkin seeds have a lot of health benefits. And so I ordered this pumpkin seed powder off the internet from Amazon. I was like, oh, this will be great. I can make smoothies with it. I can put real pumpkin in there, pumpkin puree, and then this pumpkin seed powder. And it's gonna be great. I'm gonna be so healthy. I'm gonna be so fall-like. I'm gonna be just dancing with my little pumpkin smoothie in this crisp fall weather. No, it's disgusting. It's so gross. Do not recommend. It was a fail.
0: Isn't all powdered stuff kind like protein powder? The only way I can tolerate protein powder is if I mix it with chocolate milk. So I'm basically a 7-year-old.
8: <laughs> yeah, maybe through like I'm like I should try throwing some vodka in here or something that might make it. Better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um and uh
8: what about your fall fails? I want to hear them. Lauren, what, what, how have you been failing or how have you been enjoying oh, fall? Oh,
2: never. I, I was just saying that when you're in the fall that we all turn into kids, like I will go off the sidewalk and march right towards a pile of leaves just so I can hear that crunching sound or to kick at them or watch them blow in the wind. Like I just love a walk this time of year. So it wasn't so much a fail, but you know, I, thinking about when you talk about ordering things off Amazon, we've all done that or online this year, we've all done that and thought it was going to better ourselves. And I have a glove that's supposed to, Exfoliate your skin and get it ready for winter that I ordered, like a scrubby glove. And all it did is scarred me. Like I was left with red rashes for three days. I don't know what was in that glove or where it came from. I'm kind of concerned it was just someone's glove (laughs) that got shipped to me from like a garage. Wow. But yes, that's just a fail. That's a fail for winter prep.
0: Mackling, have you ever ordered something online and uh, went badly like that?
1: Oh boy, Um, Mm -hmm. not myself, but let me tell you... um, Canada Post, the postman knows me by name because of all the stuff that comes to my house. And so (laughs) it's just an endless uh, stream of packages showing up because uh, Jackie's very good at taking advantage of uh, her favorite uh, store, the Bay. And she'll order, you know, 15 things, take 12 of them back just to make sure she gets the right three. (laughs) So I think it's a great strategy, but uh, I'm not sure how much the Bay and or the postman like us.
0: All right. Well, and it's good that she's ordering from the Bay as well, right? To not just Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's hey, by the way, if you want to order anything online, uh, you might. People are saying it's too early to talk about Christmas. It's no. not too early. No. It's going to be a problem. Yeah, because supply
8: chain issues, right? I'm hearing mm-hmm. this. Get your
2: presents now, or your. I mean, Santa needs help. Is what I'm saying. He can't do it alone. It's a tough yeah. job. It's not just your presence, If you want to bring anything, go anywhere. You should just get up on a plane now. <laughs> <laughs> Leave immediately. Leave immediately. If your goal is to be there for Christmas Day, I mean, there are gonna. It won't be that bad, but there will be. There will be some situations for sure. Get okay on it
0: now. So we are out of time. We got to give stuff away in our next segment. So Gabrielle Marchand, thank you very much for joining us. This dumpster fire out. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, we have two tickets to give away to see Took based on your text messages on moments of greatness inspired by Alfonso Davies, the Canadian soccer player who has the nation's hopes up that the team can actually make it to the World Cup and... Here's this text made me made us laugh. Loren, thanks for flagging this one, because Trevor, I can relate to this. Trevor says my buddy Darren made a 40 foot putt downhill with probably a 10 foot left to right break to win dinner and drinks for his twosome team in Palm Springs. Best putt I've ever seen and most expensive dinner I've ever bought. In that moment, Darren probably felt like God.
1: <laughs> so
2: I asked him too what he, what did it cost him? He said, well, it was steaks and scotch. It was about 700 US in the end for that Ooh. meal. So that is a bet.
0: Heavy bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eve sent us a good one with a really nifty local uh, spin, Loren.
2: Yeah, and you got to hang on to this one to the end. So Yves texted to say, my moment is when we first saw a young woman sing live for the first time. It was at the DSFM Academy Award-like ceremony for production and acting. She had just won the Chiquette Electrique at Festival de Voyageurs. She was performing as a treat to all the performers. Her voice struck me as powerful and unique as she performed her original song. I saw her last night on a commercial for YouTube Music. Her name is Foja from the notre dame de lourdes carmen area and that's incredible that's when you see somebody when you know they're great but the rest of the world hasn't recognized how great they are just yet she's incredible
0: she's becoming a big star i've got one of her latest song hero queued up here her voice is supernatural and she i think she might be like she's like five feet tall well we had her in studio once did we not yeah Yeah, she's just incredible. When I heard the voice and then we met her, I thought, that voice came out of that?
1: Yeah, she's an absolute delight as a person. She's talented beyond words, and her social media presence is second to none. But who's our winning text, GMAC? Okay, this comes from Jeff. Jeff is a Blue Bomber fan of 25 years he hasn't missed a single game of any, a second rather, of any game by either watching it in person or on TV and always listening to the quintessential broadcaster, Mr. Bob Irving. This is Jeff's text now. So when my wife went into labor with our third child, July 20th, 2006, during the fourth quarter of a Blue Bomber game, the mission was obvious stall her until the end of the game. <laughs> I'm so glad I did. The Bombers were down. 22-19. Four seconds left on the clock. Kevin Glenn. Well, you know what? Let's just have Bob Irving tell the story.
0: Oh, I got to turn up the volume. E. Gads. Here we go. Here we go. The
7: last play of the game. Barring a penalty. Kevin Glenn in the shotgun. And he throws it long down the left side for Stiegel. He's got it. And he's gone. Milt Stegel's going all the way for a touchdown on the last play of the game. A 100-yard touchdown pass. Stiegel caught the ball between two stunned Edmonton defenders around center field. I don't think he could believe it himself. And there was nobody left to beat, and he took it into the end zone. And who could have imagined an ending like that?
1: So they drove to St. Boniface Hospital listening to Bob in the post-game show. Even Bob sounded elated and in some disbelief. Jeff? You are our winner today. How can we top that story?
2: Ugh, I both loved and hated that text. I was like, this is the best, Bob, all the way to the hospital. And then I was like, Jeff, get your wife to the hospital, man.
1: <laughs> it all this worked ridiculous. out, Ridiculous. <laughs>
2: Chill. It's all good. It's like on our way to St. B when we were having our second and my husband said, sorry, do I go left here or right? And I was like, are you kidding me?
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com for Credit Aid. Helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992, visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, regarding unvaccinated staff in essential services, is it realistic to believe those services could still be met if those workers are suspended or released? At cjob.com. We have 70% saying no, 30% saying yes. We've also thrown that up on Twitter at 680CJOB, and it's a 50-50 split on Twitter, so you can cast your vote either at cjob.com or on Twitter at 680CJOB. Also, we mentioned earlier in the show that this is going to happen at random at any time, so we're going to crack the phone lines right now at 204-780-6868. Fourtail, take your calls off the air. You want to win? Tickets to see Donna Merrill with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra next Friday. Call us now. We'll make a caller number 6 at 204-780-6868. Donna Merrill, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra tickets. Call us now. Caller number 6. In the meantime, GMAC, exciting times because it is Blue Bomber game day. 8 o'clock kickoff. Olympic Builders pregame show begins at 6. That's right. Blue Bombers
1: Elks in Edmonton and joining us from... Northern Alberta to set the table is Blue Bomber great Canadian football hall of famer 680 CJOB Blue Bomber analyst and all around great guy Doug Brown. Good morning Doug. How's it going Greg? Doing good my friend. Hey uh, Stanley Bryant starting his 100th game as a Blue Bomber tonight. I confess I searched the internet high and low to find out how many games you played as a Blue Bomber. (laughs) I'm estimating it at over 160. I'm going to guess 162 in 11 seasons in Blue and Gold. Am I close?
9: Um, Honestly, I don't know. Oh, well, if you
1: don't know, I don't feel bad (laughs) not being able to find it then. Yeah,
9: I don't really fixate on these. I think it's, if I was to guess, I would say it was 188. Or something. I know it was close to
1: two hundred. So wow! But um, I'm yeah. impressed.
9: Yeah, well, you, you had whatever. some.
1: You had some. I know you don't care about impressing me. Hey, <laughs> for me, for me, Stanley Brian is one of those players who has helped transform the culture of the Blue Bombers. We we discussed this a little bit on the pregame show last week, and yeah. I think he sort of helped redefine what it means to be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. Would you agree on that?
9: Yeah, I mean he's a he's a foundational element. For everything that uh, you know the Winnipeg Blue Bomber offense wants to be and, and aspires to be right like it, it all starts with you know having that protection for a guy like Zach Kolaris that has been able to really redefine himself reinvent himself coming to Winnipeg and then obviously we know how important the the ground game is in terms of you know protecting your quarterback but providing a balance with your offense where you're not a one-trick pony out there. You're multidimensional and uh, keeps defenders on their toes. So he's, uh, yeah, he's about as bedrock of a foundational piece that you can have on, on your football team. Uh, you know, they say the the best ability is availability, and uh, he has that in spades. Obviously, he's a super durable player, uh, plays at an all-star caliber level, and it's becoming commonplace for people to say, you know, he's the – after Chris Walby, he's the best offensive lineman that's that's played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and and that is quite uh, a statement to say, and it's becoming very very common to hear that uh, these days.
0: Hey Doug, what's your take, uh, your sense of the current culture of the franchise and the impact that it's had on their success on the field? Um,
9: well, it, it has certainly, you know, it was funny when uh, Wade Miller took over and he hired Michael Shea and Kyle Walters and. Uh, things obviously, you know, they didn't get better initially. In fact, I think they got worse for uh, a couple of years. And we were so conditioned in Winnipeg to okay, things have gone bad for two years. You know, who are we firing, right? Like who are we getting rid of? Let's let's continue on and keep searching. And uh, Wade really he introduced a new concept uh, called uh, well uh, continuity, right? And that was something that we we hadn't heard around in, in Winnipeg for some time. So. Uh, he introduced that concept and he didn't give up on his crew. He felt he had made the right decisions and, uh, and and they had to learn, you know, Mike Shea, I'm sure uh, had to uh, cut his teeth and, and and learn some lessons the hard way of becoming a head coach for the first time. But now that everybody's settled in now, I think uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are reaping the benefits of that continuity in this culture as a football team now. So uh, the identity of, of who they are and, and the structure and what they want to be as a professional football team is entrenched, it's established now. It's not changing every two, three years like we used to see prior to this regime taking over. So I think having that stability and that continuity has been a massive uh, uh, facelift and uh, makeover for this football team in terms of just players, even you know players wanting to come here let alone people understanding what they're getting involved in uh, when when they're playing for this team.
1: It's interesting you mentioned that because I can't help but think about something Paul Maurice said in the offseason about the Winnipeg Jets. And that's the fact as they enter their 11th year here in Winnipeg since moving from Atlanta. It's the first time in Maurice's opinion that they've had a roster of players a, that essentially all want to be here and all have a sense of what it means to be a Winnipeg Jet and the commitment to the community and how different it is to play here versus some other markets. And, and I think you have a lot of those elements at play with the Blue Bombers and the roster and the players that they choose to bring in and then to keep around long-term, Doug. Yeah, no,
9: I, I totally agree with you. You know, and it's, it's guys, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers too, it's guys that buy in and that are here year-round. Right. You look at, you know, guys like Adam Big Hill and and Willie Jefferson. You got guys that have become, uh, you know, established and parts of the community right now and that are totally all about bringing success to this football team. So I think they've done a fantastic job with that.
0: So no quarterback, Trevor Harris, for Edmonton tonight, not even dressing. Uh, that fact had at least one Edmonton son scribe suggesting that Harris had been bopped out of his uniform. Uh, that pop culture reference, given who's uh, connects to the fact that the 90s brothers trio Hanson is performing at halftime. Um, are the Elks on the opposite end of the culture spectrum from the Blue Bombers right now?
9: Yeah, they're, uh, they're a team, they're a franchise in absolute disarray. Right now, uh, I don't think anyone knows. I mean, they don't know. If you don't even know who your franchise or starting quarterback is, if you're if you're trying to figure that out right now, that just tells you, you know, that, that the team is in shambles, right? That's your most important player on the football team. Uh, the guy that's making, you know, close to half a million dollars just got benched, may never play another game for your football team. Um, the the franchise has been in the, in the news, and there's been stories about it for all the wrong reasons and all the wrong ways the last number of weeks. And uh, everybody's under fire there. the head coach, the general manager, obviously the quarterback, uh, the record, the fans are upset, Uh, the equipment manager got fired, you know, one of the, one of the volunteers, there was, there's all these stories floating around this, this franchise that are just not things we're used to seeing from Edmonton. Right. The Elks have definitely uh, taken a couple steps back in terms of, uh, uh, how they were formerly viewed as kind of a, a flagship franchise for the CFL. So right now they're, they're just a, a hot mess, a, a tire fire, uh, definitely out here in Alberta.
1: Well, the flagship franchise in the CFL now is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders might argue with that, but I think uh, most people across the league know who the, the preeminent uh, franchise is in the league. But, Doug, before I let you go, uh, the Bombers won last week against the same Edmonton team 30-3. to It's hard to imagine that when we dissected that game and you look back on it, the Bombers had so many things to improve upon. Is that a good thing yeah. heading into this game tonight that, that it really wasn't a per- picture-perfect win last week?
9: Well, exactly, because if they just you know if they put up thirty in the first half and and just cruise to victory in the second half, that'd be one thing. but you know the offense did not play well at all. They made a lot of mistakes, they left a lot of points off the board uh, there's a ton of room for improvement, and that's the kind of introspective work that this this football team does. It's not so much who they're going against, it's hey, how are we executing? What can we do to be better? What, are, what is our game plan in, in this scenario that we need to exact on our on these opponents here, and they have a lot that they can improve on based off of uh, what we saw last week? It was a much closer game uh, than it needed to be, and like you say, it was not anywhere near one of the top offensive performances we 've seen um, from the Winnipeg Blue bombers were it not for that defense you know that uh, that game could have uh, uh switch gears and gone in, in another direction very easily so it's uh it's great that they have that ability to just keep it in house and reflect on how they're playing um themselves and and not you know worry so much about their opponent and the record and so on and so forth because they have a lot of of work to do to improve off of the performance they put forward last
1: week All right, Doug, thanks for this. We look forward to hearing your and Bob's call tonight. And, of course, the Olympic Builders pregame show getting underway at 6 o'clock. Six hours of football on the home of the Blue Bombers, 680 CJOB. Get an afternoon nap, and we'll hear you later,
0: Doug.
9: (laughs) All right, brother. Sounds good, my friend.
0: Doug Brown joining us live on 680 CJOB, heading into tonight's game against Edmonton. A reminder, the Big Bomber Bash. The code word is fans. We don't, and don't text it to us. We need you to go to cjob.com, find the contest page, and punch it in there. This is your last chance to get in. Big party for the October 23rd game against the Lions. 19 of your friends and you on the entire Bomber Party deck. 20 Blue Bomber hats, game day food, a $250 drink credit, four parking passes to get everyone to the game. The code word is. Fans Also, Mr. Fortier, who won the Don Amaro tickets with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. That'd be Tom Walchuck.: Tom Walchuck, congratulations. Enjoy the show, October 22nd: Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Wherever you find your favorite podcasts, subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think.